0: It's okay to have different styles. It's okay to play around with style. It's okay to be creative. It's okay to be uh, something that other people are not. In fact, I completely want people to look for things that other people are not doing because I find that it just evolves. It evolves people's style in general. And I think it. it rather than dressing to impress people, you dress to impress yourself and through impressing yourself you attract other people for that same reason
1: i'm reg ferguson and i'm a fashion consultant from new york city born and raised i've been helping men look fly for years and now i want to help you learn more about menswear the entrepreneurs the brands and top fashion tips on the fashion geek podcast When I was growing up, once a year, or once every few years, it's hard to really remember, my grandfather would get a suit made. He would get in a car and drive down to Harry Rothman's on Fifth Avenue, which is now Rothman's on Park Avenue South. Before that, it was on Union Square, where I believe Petco is now. Weeks later, he would drive back down there and pick it up. Was it in a box wrapped up in tissue paper and tied up in string? I really think it was, but maybe it was in a garment bag. I really can't remember. What I can remember is how beautiful the suits were. The fabrics, the way they fit. My grandpa was a big guy. In retrospect, I don't know why he never invited me on the trips. He taught me so much about style and fashion, the foundational aspects that I still utilize to this day. Oh, well, maybe it was his special trip. Lord knows he deserved it. When it comes to suiting, made to measure is an important component nowadays. Wouldn't you like to have a guy you can count on to help make your suit? Yo, this is Reg Ferguson, fashion geek number one. How are you? Welcome to the ride. Thank you so much for listening. I'm a men's fashion consultant here in New York City, and I help fashion challenge men go from confused to confident. If you ever found yourself staring at the closet, not knowing what to wear, or if the idea of shopping for clothes makes you feel physically ill, then this is the show for you. My goal with every episode is to help make looking good feel easy. If you ever want my help, email me at reg at nyfashiongeek.com for a consultation. If you have a friend who's looking to level up his fashion style wardrobe game, please share an episode with them. While you're at it, if you dig the show and haven't already left us a rating review, please consider doing so now. Your shares, ratings, and reviews help us grow the show and help us get the best possible guest and help more men dress their best. Today, we're going to talk with Timothy Hanchett of InduEd FC, who's in Toronto, Canada. And we're going to talk about something that the everyday man should have an interest in. Why should we use a made-to-measure specialist for men's suiting? Timothy in the building how are you man I'm good good uh, to finally I felt bad because I kept left
0: you hanging but uh finally made time to work so
1: I always here get I my man bro it only took uh, us over a year <laughs> yeah it's
0: it's it's been some time for sure but yeah. it's been it's been a weird it's been a weird year so
1: here we are here we are so I'm sure you'll you will talk about all that. So, before we get into our topic, please tell us, Timothy. So, what do you do? So, what do so you, what do, you. Do, you do? Uh,
0: I do? I do a handful of things. Right now, I'm a bespoke apprentice. Uh, with a tailor here in Toronto, third generation, Parisian trained. Um, just recently, just still moving into this little studio space here, but doing things uh, legitimately my own way. No more hurdles working for other people. So it's going to be an exciting, an exciting ride for sure. But I also do made-to-measure. Made-to-measure is a majority of probably my background in tailoring. But I've been doing the spoke now for just under two years.
1: So really, we obviously could talk about both, but certainly I got introduced to you because back in the day, just a few years ago, you had been anointed as the made-to-measure specialist. Uh, uh, I'm flattered. I don't know. I don't know who would say such a thing,
0: but, you know. I, I don't know, I, I strive to do my best every time. Every every new customer is a chance to do better than my last, but uh, whoever
1: said that, you know, I'm flattered, but you know. It's all good, take it. It doesn't mean that you rest on your laurels and to me, the way I follow you on the gram, you're constantly striving to learn and to be better. That's the appearance. Yeah.
0: When the pandemic first happened, Made to Measure was my opportunity to do something rather than just sitting around at home. Uh, So I kind of took this whole virtual fitting thing and tried to figure out a way to make it work. People asked me for a lot of jackets and a lot of pants and people from Germany, people in St. Louis, people in Texas and California. So I had to figure out a way to make it happen. And I was lucky because I think I did... Something that sounds bizarre and impossible, uh, I just want to make it work. And I think I did a pretty good job. I haven't really had too many. I mean, it's its always a, a lot of trial and error when you first begin these things. But uh, I didn't have many come out terribly wrong. So I uh, <laughs> had myself on the back for that one. But it was was definitely a challenge, and I think that uh, definitely got me better at doing it. And it's also helped a lot with my career going forward, especially getting into Bespoke and being able to not always be present and to learn how to read how things fit uh, visually rather than just uh, having a measuring tape and some pins and, and doing it physically. Uh, So it's definitely been a challenge, but it's definitely
1: been something that uh, it's been a stepping stool for sure. So we both have a virtual component to our businesses. So why don't you explain to the audience the challenges, like you said, when COVID first happened on you launching that type of initiative and how the interaction worked with the customer? Through my last employer,
0: which is a little bit more popular in the mentor community, I did gain a bit of a following because I was doing their made-to-measure as well. And that got me a pretty big uh, clientele. And so when I left that place, part of me wanted to move on to something better, but part of me also wanted to take what frustrated me and do the opposite so i decided things kind of like took kind of settled along their path naturally and i kind of ran with it but i was in contact with a factory uh i was in contact with many factories linkedin i mean i get i got messages constantly but i ended up finding one factory that seemed like they could uh, work with the same standards that I was sort of looking into. And I kind of learned what not to do from that employer. And I wanted to see if I could figure out the way that I thought things should be done. And I've always been that way. Uh, I don't do very well with authority and having people above me. So (laughs) I always find that there are so many flaws in the way people run businesses and, Finding flaws in businesses is usually my best uh, influence for success in a way because I'll I'll just want to do the opposite. I'll, I'll see I'll see where all the loopholes are. I'll see where a lot of the illegitimacies are, and uh, that's one thing that I did with this made to measure. I just asked my factory exactly what it was that I wanted, and they said they could accommodate and. Uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but because I had a lot of people after I left my, that last employer, a lot of people still wanted me to make them clothing and I didn't really have a means to do it. So, uh, because I was in contact with the factory, it was kind of, well, people are asking me, I don't want to disappoint. I had zero confidence because I had never really worked with the factory before. I think I had to make me a couple of stuff before I decided yeah, to take on sales. any customers. But um, someone extremely broke is myself. Uh, luckily, made to measure, you can get started with just a $300 sample and charge customers essentially what the entire production is. So I don't have to buy into any ready-to-wear garments. So uh, it was a good – it was a good – learning point for sure because it gave me a lot of insight as to if i'm going to pursue running a business in the future this is all these are all the stepping stones i'm going to have to take i think my first five were all trial and error uh which is good because i got it out of the way i learned a lot throughout those several five kind of uh i was lucky because i had customers that knew i was just getting started so a lot of these guys weren't really expecting perfections but they Kind of wanted me to to work with them in, and I guess vice versa, mutually. Just to see, a lot of people wanted me to succeed. I wanted myself to succeed, but I also um, I'm paranoid of people's disappointment in me. So uh, it was definitely overwhelming to find so many people that were willing to have that patience with me. But yeah, I mean, trial and error occurred. I learned a lot from a lot of the mishaps and everything started getting a lot better. So um, all you can really hope for is to get all that trial and error out at the very beginning.
1: Sure. What were the things that you specified to this factory that made it a good fit? You made a reference that there were things that you needed. You shopped around factories. What was it about this particular factory that led you to pull the trigger with them?
0: There were a couple things the i think the main priority was i wanted them to work off of my standards off of my requests rather than working off their own blocks and they could do it uh for example i wanted to have my own my own crayon shape my own collar shape i wanted to be able to tell them exactly how i wanted the quarters to be shaped and that for me was very uh important because as well as I can make a garment fit, I also wanted to visually look appealing to anybody that is not wearing the garment, looking at the people wearing the garment that I made. There's always specific sciences in every industry that uh, you might not know how to describe it, because you're, you're not a lay person in that industry, but there's something about it specifically that looks appealing, even though you can't really pointed out i can't sing i don't know much about singing but when i watch shows like uh america's got talent or um you know shows like that dance shows i know who's a good dancer because there's something about it that kind of sends a little vibration up my spine and i wanted this same kind of effect so visually i wanted it to be important that uh, there were specific things about the design of the pattern that made a lot of sense. Number two was I wanted it to be a good quality garment. I wanted them to be able to make not just full canvas garments, but I wanted to have specific handmade elements as well. And the factor that I ended up finding gave me uh, kind of a three tier selection, which was a 30% handmade garment, fully fully canvassed 50% and then 90%. And they were able to break it down as to what is included in each of those tiers. And that I really enjoyed, uh, because although, I mean, it's, it's industry standard that a lot of the stuff inside a garment might be made by machines, but to at least have, uh, hand details like buttonholes and, um, sleeve hems and jacket hems you know just to have some sort of hand stitching things that i find are are things that stick out to me at least when i when i look at garments usually when i go into any luxury store or any menswear store in general uh, my eye gets drawn towards specific details about jackets just to see kind of the idea or the creative direction behind each and every one of those things, how the collar gets attached from the back of the jacket. That's just where my eye goes. Uh, what do the buttonholes look like? Are they machine? Are they hand? If they're hand, are they done well? But uh, even if it's a crappy looking buttonhole, you know, if it's still done by hand, there's still a, there's still an element of, um, of intrigue that I'm drawn into when it comes to those things. So being able to have those three options with the quality of how a garment gets made was um extremely pleasing for me uh and then the last thing that i was looking at was that they were able to make just muslin mock garment trial fittings for me and that was huge for me too because if i'm doing things virtually i know how to direct people into taking their own measurements Mm. and if i can have a virtual call with them and I can explain to them exactly where in their chest I take their measurement or exactly where to take their waist measurement, hip measurement, all, all that sort of thing. Uh, if, if I am able to watch them do those measurements, I can see exactly how they're taking measurements so I know how accurate those measurements may or may not be. So once I get those measurements and I ship them off to my factory and I tell them, make me just a, a muslin crap kind of fabric uh, garment. Based solely on measurements, we'll ship it to the customer and I'll have another call with them. I'll have them throw it on. I'll see how it looks. And then by that point, I can get into uh, posture fixes or measurement kind of slight tweaks. I had my own formula for how much ease to, to make each jacket or each trouser. So playing around with that was always a bit of that trial and error. But those trial garments were a huge a huge tool for me to get to see the garments exactly how I wanted to turn out. So if I had to slope one guy's shoulder a centimeter and the other shoulder like one and a half, then by the time I make those changes in the back of the factory, they get the fabric, get it all assembled, send it back to the customer. They should take care of that sloping. Uh, so that was the, the idea behind it. So with those three kind of options for me to make, make to measure uh, garments. That was probably, I mean, that's, I don't know. I, I'm very detail oriented. So as many options as I can get to a lot of people, it might be a huge headache. But for me, that's, it's, it's easier on my nerves. It's easier on my anxiety to just give them as many options as we can uh as much as they hated my orders because of how much details I would give them it still it still worked out in the favor of not just my satisfaction but my customers satisfaction as well because they had certain expectations of me and like I said before I have this paranoia of disappointing people so if they're happy I'm happy Uh, but it has to be a mutual level. I don't want to be more happy than them because it's their garment. They have to wear it, but I don't want them to be more happy than me because I'm always going to see things that I know I can change in the future. Uh, but finding that like perfect balance of satisfaction, I think that's, uh, the key, especially to word of mouth and it's, it calms all my nerves. Uh, there were many sleepless nights, so it, it's, it's been, it's definitely been a journey, but mm. those were the three things specifically that I asked for, for a factory, which I mean, I can't think of too many other made to measure factories that do it that way, but that, that was my way of try to not achieve perfection because I know that's impossible, but try to get it to a point where I can feel more comfortable with the garments I was making.
1: You mentioned earlier that there were inefficiencies that you detected from your previous employer when you were made to measure specialist there. What were those inefficiencies that stood out for you as you know as you made the move on your own and you know dealing with this factory?
0: There were several things. Uh, some things that might not even make that much they might not seem that important but uh of the important things one of them was the control over placing orders uh i would constantly ask the owner to allow me to place the orders because he was a very 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 busy guy and there were times where it you know i, I would promise a customer five to eight week turnaround and four weeks later the owner will send me a text and say hey by the way this fabric is out Uh, Four weeks later tells me that he waited four weeks to place the order. Not that he waited, but he would have that chance to not be so busy to place the orders. But a couple issues with that is one, I always checked fabric availability beforehand. Uh, And part of that, a lot of my social anxiety, I think, comes from my, my paranoia of disappointment. So me having to call my customer and tell them, hey, you have to come back in and pick out another fabric. Uh, was always a little hard on me emotionally. But not only that, I already promised them five to eight weeks. So four weeks in and the five to eight weeks hasn't even started yet, it got it got tricky. Uh, a couple other issues with that was they started hiring people based on the wage that they were offering to pay rather than finding people that had a background in the industry. Um, which is totally fine. You have to run your business your way. The only issue that I found was that I would say that somebody wanted, you know, three button kissing surgeon cops, but that person that has to place these orders doesn't know anything at all about what that means. So I kept being offered, uh, not offered, but I kept being told to simplify as much as I can I would have to say, you know, uh, three buttons touching each other, uh, on top of each other and the sleeve cuff has to be functional or real buttons. It, it, it got a little like, it, it got, it got a little crazy. So if I was able to place the orders myself, I can, I can, because I'm a very organized person, I can place the entire order, probably even before the money gets into the register. Uh, yeah it's i I took a lot of pictures i made sure i knew exactly what people's postures looked like if i was able to just communicate that with the factory all the time the qc issues that would come back once the garment is made is just stuff that got overlooked uh if a guy wanted no shoulder pads in a jacket and then he received a jacket with shoulder pads it was just you know it's just a simple step but the longer you wait four weeks five weeks i'm getting text messages after I place these orders, asking me, "Hey, what did this guy want again?" It it gets tricky to remember all those customers five weeks later, and having to come up for, having to come up with excuses to not put blame on either myself or the owner uh, as to why I have to make changes four weeks, five weeks out into the order. Uh, that was it was mentally straining on me. It was it was tough. I had to do it. Uh, but that 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 is exactly why I ended up leaving was because I realized I got to a point where I was apologizing probably more to people than I was actually just getting orders in, getting orders taken care of, and making people happy. The garments usually came back really nice, but um, becoming the person that would get yelled at for something that wasn't my fault was the tricky part. That was something – I'm not – I'm not much of a people person. I do really well one-on-one with my customers. And I mean, when I was working at that last employer, I had people flying in to see me from Texas, California, and all all over the place. So, So that was... For me, it was more nerve-wracking because, one, I had to make sure that I provided a proper welcoming to them. I had to be an amazing host to them. I had to discuss tailoring, which I don't always enjoy discussing with people. A lot of my local customers, I'd rather talk about other things than whether or not the tie is going to go extinct. Uh, but it's... Uh, I'm like I said I'm I'm a people person I care a lot about how people feel how people think but when it comes to people yelling at me for things that I cannot control that was always that was always the the part that kind of hit me a little bit the hardest and that was eventually why I ended up taking off and deciding okay well if I can place orders myself and if I can order fabrics myself and I can make sure I do all the due diligence to make sure that everything's available and everything's going to get done on time and uh, all that sort of thing, I uh, might as well try to figure out for myself. So I found a factory and... I was selling stuff extremely, extremely cheap. I made zero margin for the probably the first like 10 commissions because I was still trying to play around with that. I also do it out of passion. I'm an artist, I'm not much of a businessman. So that was part of that stepping stone as well, trying to figure out how to price my garments without feeling like I was ripping anybody off or, uh, making sure that I could accommodate for the fact that not everybody has a lot of money to cause I used to be in a position where I could only shop at thrift stores when I first started out in menswear. So I was, I couldn't just go to a store and buy $200 pants. I had a budget of 20 bucks to go buy, you know, a nice pair of trousers. And I mean, to be completely honest, I think a lot of the stuff I'd find at thrift stores would be a lot better quality than a lot of the like, polyester wool pants that I'd find at places like TJ Maxx or Winters that we have here, Marshall, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, just constantly absorbing everything
1: that I learn and try to get better every time. So how do you talk a client through virtually measuring themselves? Some things take...
0: If they have a partner present, it
1: helps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, come on, bro. Uh, I could have done that, too. But it just but sounded like
0: yeah, so one-on-one. How, how are you pulling that off? One-on-one, it's tricky. But there's, there's some interesting ways to get around it. Um, there are things that are body measurements. And there are things that are garment finish measurements. So a lot of the times, I'll have somebody tell me or show me a jacket that they currently have in their collection that they think fits them the best. And, of course, they didn't always look that great to me, so I had to figure it out for myself. But, for example, things that are important are jacket length, sleeve length, shoulder width are extremely important for me. So it doesn't really matter if the jacket's from H&M or it's bought on Michael Jandrell from Luciano, you know? Throw on the jacket, let me see how it looks. and. Once I get a chance to, I'll take screenshots of them trying on these jackets. And once they try it on, I get a chance to look at it. I know exactly what it is I want to change to it. So I'll ask them to take it off, set it on a hanger, sit on the back of the chair. Okay, measure the shoulder for me. It's exactly from this seam across to the middle center seam. And then you go all the way back over to the shoulder, right where it meets the sleeve. I know in my head that I think the jacket needs to be two centimeters wider, one centimeter on each each shoulder, maybe. So if they tell me the the, the shoulder is uh, 18 inches in width, I'll know I need to see to write down 21 and 5 eighths or 21 and a half uh, and I base it off of what they've given me. And then the exact same thing with the jacket length, if I think it's a little too long or if I think it's a little bit too short, I know how I how much I want to reduce it. Most importantly, the shoulder because obviously if I'm doing a trial garment, I can, I can make all the, a lot of the changes. But uh, same with sleeve and same with back length. That's how I, It's hard to hold the measuring tape, you know, from their shoulder and then try to guess yeah. what the number is at the bottom. Yeah. If it's hanging on a hanger behind them, I can see exactly how they measure it, and that tells me exactly everything I need to know. So there were there were some tricks in there that I kind of came up with as I was going along, but. Uh, the issue that I'd find a lot of times with my factory is I'd say make me a jacket and a 30-inch 30, 30 long uh, back center seam and it would come back at like a 28 or a 31. or It, it, was, it was never accurate. Mm. So ev- I had to measure everything that came in just to make sure that everything was as specified as I wanted it to be. And that was, that was the trickiest part with a factory that didn't work based off of their blocks was making sure that they worked specifically to the measurements provided. Uh, and that was, that was eventually why I stopped placing orders with them because it got to a point where my apprenticeship got me to a point where I would have my factory send me back a semi-assembled garment and I would just finish it myself. I wouldn't tell them exactly where the button stands should be. Instead, I would throw it on the customer as a second fitting. I would mark where the buttonhole should be, and I just do the buttonhole myself. And that, once I got to the point where I could do that, it, it was a complete game changer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's been it's been a long journey. It's been yeah, it's 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 been a process for sure.
1: Why should a customer? do made-to-measure, let's say particularly they've been doing ready-to-wear for a minute, and now all of a sudden they get provided this opportunity, but they're reticent, they're on the fence. Why should they do this, Timothy?
0: Oh, man. Obviously, each step, ready-to-wear made-to-measure and bespoke, they all have their own specific differences. Um, me, everybody's imperfect. Everybody, everybody has a shape that cannot be accommodated for with ready to wear. There are some people that can make it look as close as they can with ready to wear, but it's never, there, there's always something. Everybody has one arm that's longer than the other. Everybody has one shoulder that's lower than the other things that ready to wear doesn't always pick up on. So made to measure for people that really are, into kind of how they look and how they're perceived in the world because we're all human. We all judge everybody based on what shoes they wear or what jacket, what fabrics they pick in their jackets or what buttons they pick to go with those fabrics. So it's something that I never understood before because before I got into tailoring, I'd go to job interviews. and. I'd hear the stories about having, you know, a mustard stain on a a shirt or something. It's it's things that people's eyes just get drawn to. And I understand that a whole lot more now. Um, And I'm way more critical, obviously, as somebody that works in the industry. But made-to-measure gives... It gives the customer the opportunity, one, to be creative. Um, I think the... The business owner or the salesperson that is doing the made-to-measure should be very uh, intelligent in how this person is going to be perceived, especially in the workplace. If they're a lawyer and they want to pick out the boldest window pane of pink and green, it might not be the best option for them. And being somebody that's clothing somebody else, you should know the you should you should understand this etiquette. Uh, but at the same time it gives the customer that opportunity to create something that maybe nobody else at his firm uh, has. But as a clothier, it's also my chance to provide them with unhidden details that they might not even notice. They'll throw on a jacket. They'll know there's something different about it. Uh, They might not know all the technicalities, but if they're somebody that, doesn't really understand the craft. I take it as a big compliment when they throw something on, they cannot pick out what it is that makes it feel different, what it is that makes it look different. But the fact that they know that there's something different about it, that's positive and greater than what they would have expected. I'd take that as a huge compliment. If I do a buttonhole by hand and the customer doesn't notice, that's a huge compliment to me because if I do a crappy buttonhole, they'll probably notice and point it out. Right? So, uh, made to measure is definitely a step up from ready to wear in the sense that you get to do whatever, whatever you want to do. Uh, but it's also going to be, I mean, not always, but it should potentially be a better option for, um, getting something that's made exactly to, what it's supposed to be functional for. It's just like a haircut. Everybody has a different shaped skull. So uh, you wanna find a barber that understands your head shape so that they know how to cut your hair perfectly. Um, The issue that I find in Toronto is that everybody's in it for money. They're not really passionate about it. And that's something else that I have to fight against is trying to express to people, that what I do is a little different from those people. I'm not trying to sell them, you know, three different colors of buttonhole stitching under cuffs. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's unnecessary and it's gaudy. You have customers that know exactly what they want, and if they know exactly what they want, it it works out in their favor. But uh, there there has to be there has to be some level of education both on their end and then your end as the clue Um But it's it's a relationship. You're building a rapport with someone. You're trying to get to know them and you have to let them understand who you are too. So it's – I think that level of interaction makes building a wardrobe just so much more important or fundamental. It's one of those things that you don't really understand how important it is until you start doing it because you can buy all the ready-to-wear suits – whatever it is that fits you closest and you think they fit amazing. But once you go the route of getting something made custom and it fits you so much better than the ready to wear, you suddenly realize what am I gonna do with all this ready to wear now that I think doesn't fit me as good as I thought it did. I'm just gonna stick with ready to wear. Uh, sorry, I'm just stick with getting anything made specifically to my, to my body shape. So uh, it also, from my perspective, it helps people that are artisans so that the craft doesn't die out. Because as people just look for money opportunities, they look for cheaper manufacturing, they look for higher margins, and it jeopardizes a lot of everybody else that does that, mostly that are passionate. It's, you know, it's, if it's a dying art and it gets to a point where a lot of people just suddenly go extinct, uh it, it would be very unfortunate to
1: to be replaced what should a client look for when they're trying to determine a made to measure specialist
0: oh man i i could go on for for a long time uh it got to a point actually that i was started to look for ways to teach people how to Pick up on red flags. Uh, it's easier to know who not to go to than it is of people to go to.
1: So let's start with the red flags. Uh,
0: and then maybe I'll move you over. <laughs> well, I think the red flags in general come down to uh, that person's level of creativity. But I think the red flags are also easier to look for when it comes to when you're hunting for bespoke specifically, because anybody can say they're bespoke. As a custom clothier, uh, they kind of throw around the 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 description of the word quite a bit. So, um, oh man, it's come on it's, uh, one at a time,
1: Timothy. Like, What's a red flag? Hey, hey, <laughs> Timothy! I just got recommended to you. I've never done this made-to-measurement thing. Like, what? What is it? What? What should I look for, man? Like, what's who's good? Who's not good?
0: I mean, if, if somebody came to me, I would know specifically that they came to the right place. So it's not like I'm not. Uh, all right. So they don't know about
1: you or they can't afford you. They've got someone. they got someone in New York. I'm in New York. You're in Toronto. I don't want to ship and do all that stuff with you. What should I look for, Timothy? Get to it. Oh, man. Um, one. Give me one thing. Stop having and hauling. I mean, I would, I
0: personally, I would, I'm not much of a social person. So I would do a lot of research online first. That's the first thing. Um,
1: what should they be I researching think, for Timothy?
0: Especially on Instagram. It's a lot easier because you get to see how things get made. I think, uh, uh, made to measure is so hard because there's so many different ways of doing made to measure, but, um, we have a big, uh, we have a big menswear kind of uh, luxury store here and they offer every brand has their own made to measure. So uh, I think it specifically depends on whether or not that person's a specialist. That's pretty big because at a lot of these places with people that work on commission, anybody can just walk in and do measurements. Uh, they're looking for a sale, right? So it's that, that's a big red flag because if they're not, one day, if they don't really know what they're doing, if they haven't had a training, and if they're just working in a suit department, they're just trying to make a sale. Um, you know, we all have to put food on the table, so it's it, it goes two different ways. But if I'm looking to spend two thousand dollars and I make only a thousand dollars a month, I want to make sure that I go to the right place. Uh, so I think asking the right questions, sort of, are you the specialist, or how long you've been doing this, or uh, what sort of, I mean, a lot of the questions get a little personal, so a lot of people I'm sure wouldn't want to answer them, but asking questions like, uh, did you get uh, thorough training in this sort of thing? But, uh, the, I think the easiest way to pick up on red flags is by reading people's style, trying to figure out who dresses in what way. Is their jacket too short? Is or for my liking, because everybody yeah. has their own their own stylistic taste. If is their jacket too short, is their sleeve too short? Are their pants too tight? If it doesn't align with the look that you want, don't I wouldn't necessarily go to that person for what it is that I'm looking for. Um probably that's probably the most fundamental way I'm picking up a red flag is by weeding out the people stylistically that you wouldn't want to work with uh I think that finding the right kind of person the people that are more passionate about it are usually the people that are less willing to they're not less willing to sell it but they're less willing to BS. Don't know if this is a family podcast. To BS their way uh, into a sale. So uh, I've I've worked with a lot of those types of people that um, they could sell a Bentley to a homeless man, you know. So being able to figure out what types of personalities to work with and what not to work with, um, even myself. I would probably walk into a store and find somebody that is not trying to really shove anything down my throat, ask that person who the specialist is that if, if it's not them, how can I get a made to measure suit? If they're not the person that can do it for me, who do they recommend is best to do it? And I think that's one, one clever way of being able to find the right person to do it. Um, I don't know a lot of times it depends on reputation so word of mouth is always the easiest way if you're if you're on instagram and i got a lot of this too because i most of my customers i don't do any marketing so all my customers are pretty much word of mouth uh they will ask somebody else who do they recommend i like your style who do you recommend for me to get a pair of pants made and a lot of times it's uh i know that i follow this guy timothy he's in toronto if you're looking for that specific type of silhouette or you're looking for that classic type of trouser, I would definitely recommend him. Uh, and then the same works for me because I've gotten people that will want pants that are not aligned with how I do things. Or if somebody wants something that's really structured, I'll tell them, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm i not the type of person for you, but here are some people that I'm friends with that Uh, would be able to accommodate for what it is that you're looking for because I know. I I don't want to disappoint you. Uh, What do you mean when you say too structured? I'm I like my clothing feeling like it's like a jacket's a shirt wearing worn on top of another shirt. I have some friends that are very specific in how structured garments should be. Uh, I think a lot of my friends that are bespoke tailors here in Toronto, they do things very more, very much more aligned with the Savile the Savile Row way of doing garments, where it should have the shoulder structure, it should have the roping in the sleeve, it should have a nice shell that looks like armor. Where me, it's just as long as it drapes off the shoulder and it's well balanced and it hugs your hugs your waist the way that gives you a silhouette that appeals to both of us, I'm happy. I want you to feel like, you know, you're not, uh, that you're not really getting dressed up in a costume for a world that is not going to be around for too much longer. Um, I always kind of try to look for a balance between dressy and casual. That's always kind of been my forte, and I find that the the softer garments can accomplish that a lot better than having a having a uh, like Michael Brown shoulder, you know. Best so, way I can kind of
1: explain no, that's, that. That's all good. So big shout out to the UK, but the point the point is this. So if I came to you, Timothy, and I say, I want a full padded shoulder and I want a full lining, are you going to kick me out the door?
0: I wouldn't necessarily kick out the door first. I would explain to you exactly what my expertise is and what I do really good at and how I visualize things, why I believe that what I do is more functional for how I how I see my customers wearing the the garments. And if it's something that they think, Oh, you know, I think you're onto something and that actually kind of appeals to me, I'll, I'm down to try it. Uh, that's usually the way I go about it. If, if I'm not confident that I can 100% or 90% uh, get satisfaction out of somebody, then it's something that, Oh, well, I mean, this guy, here is a good friend of mine and he can accomplish exactly what it is that you're looking for. Uh, Like I said, I'm not a businessman. I'm not looking at making a ton of money. I'm looking more as to making making stuff because I, I like making stuff. I'm more passionate about what I do and I'm passionate about making people look good and I'm passionate about people having confidence in the fact that I can make them look good. So if I have any kind of suspicion that I might not be able to make them as, look as good as they might want to look. That's when I kind of give them a better, not a better option, but I think a better option for what it is that they're envisioning and what, what it is that they want. And it's not always, you know, go to this guy. It's, I, I recommend you go have a discussion with this guy, see exactly what it is that he does what you're describing to me sounds like something more aligned with what he's, his expertise is. Talk to him, ask him some questions. If you want to mull it over, feel free. If you have any questions, I'm always available. I answer, I answer fit questions for people all over the world constantly and it's never my own product. Uh, But it's the puzzle of trying to, trying to work with, trying to work in tailoring that, that I enjoy being able to solve puzzles. So people looking for specific things can also be a puzzle for me. Mm-hmm. So if I can solve the puzzle myself, I can solve the puzzle myself. But if I can't solve the puzzle, I know somebody who can. But either way, if the puzzle isn't solved, it's going to give me an, mm-hmm. an anxiety attack. So if this guy can solve your your puzzle better than I can, please reach out to him. <laughs> and then the same thing. I get. I've had people recommended to me from other people in my trade because I do things differently than the way that they do. Um, that's the way that I would love to see the industry work. Uh, it's tough in such a competitive city, but there are a few, several people here and there that I think. Um, are willing to actually work in an environment where we help each other out rather than
1: compete against each other all the time. I know they're all your babies. So far, what's the best commission you've done? For whatever reason. Oh, man. I know. Just give me one. I think about you can choose them, any lane agree. you want, but just tell me.
0: I think my, my favorite commission I've ever done is probably my very first bespoke commission because that was that was a huge milestone for me. Um, in terms of appearance or how something turned out, uh, and for reputation-wise, I did a jacket for a friend of mine, Pedro Mendez, Hogtown Rake. And I think for the level of satisfaction that he had and then my own personal satisfaction and for what it meant to him, what it meant for me, and then how it kind of spiraled into what my company ended up becoming, I think for sure that was probably one of my my favorite. I I made several more jackets for him later on that probably fit better. But that specific, uh, that was a Fox Brothers gun club that I had made for him and that was uh probably my favorite commission. He launched a new book, The Ten Garments Every Man Should Own. And when he took a picture of him wearing of him launching his book, he was wearing my jacket in the background. And when I saw that same picture of his of the launching of his book on I saw it on J Press's Instagram. And I saw it on other people's Instagrams. And for me that was that was pretty massive. I, was, I didn't get tagged in it, but me personally, I knew that that was a jacket that I made. and every time, not every time, but mo- uh, many times that I went back to visit him, he was he's been wearing a jacket, and I just want to make stuff that people people wear, not just that people want, but stuff that people wear people put into daily use. so I think that was probably my my
1: favorite my favorite commission. <clears throat> Excuse me by far. Very cool. Why is fashion important? It's not. <laughs> uh, I, I have this
0: discussion a lot. It's I, I grew up hating fashion. Um, I always perceived it as a way for people to manipulate other people's first impression of who they are. And... I never liked that, um, that's, that's how I viewed fashion when I was in high school. And who would have thought that, you know, decades later I'd actually be in the industry. Um, and I have a completely different approach. I, I, like, I like what I do because I can see people's confidence tangibly uh, change. And that's why I think that tailoring is so important. Um, and I separate tailoring with fashion because, uh, tailoring is just fundamental to fashion. And I find that the more a lot of these fashion brands are making t-shirts and sweatpants and oversized things and stuff that doesn't fit and boyfriend cut jeans and all this stuff that it plays on proportions and it plays on silhouette. A lot of it I kind of enjoy because it, 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 makes me think, but at the same time, I find that people spending thousands of dollars on oversized t-shirts kind of hurts what fashion used to be because you look at the greats like Alexander McQueen and even earlier people uh, like Givenchy and uh, Balenciaga who were impeccable tailors of their day. And that's how they built their fashion house to now making knockoff Ikea bags. It's, it's. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a way for people to express themselves and who they are. And I do still believe the same as what I believed in high school, that people use it as a way to manipulate their first impressions. But, um, I always argue that fashion does not save lives. It can muster up confidence within yourself. Uh, I, I see it. I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans and my posture changes. Then completely differently from tomorrow. If I decide to wear a suit and tie or if I'm wearing a tuxedo, my, my demeanor changes constantly, but, um, there's an entire world of people out there and fashion, in my opinion, really only is progressive for the individual person, not necessarily for society. Uh, So I find that fashion is important on an individual level for that reason. But I think that it stirs up a lot of things socially. Mm. And I mean, as somebody that struggled with self-esteem issues, I enjoy fashion for that same reason. And because I'm somebody that works in fashion, I can help other people achieve that Uh, that confidence but like i said before i never liked talking about menswear because there were always a lot of other things that were more important to me Uh, i volunteered at a refugee house for three years when i first moved to toronto so i know that there are different ways on discussing things that i think are much more important than the way that we dress and the way that we want other people to see us because fashion can also easily turn into a way to show off to other people. You know, this is, this is how I dress and I'm, I'm fishing for compliments or I'm fishing for, in, in, my, in my case, I make a lot of stuff that I kind of experiment with in regards to what kind of emotions can I get out of people for the things that I make. And I've made things specifically because I know they'd upset people I've known st- I've, I've made stuff that I've known specifically would bring out specific emotions from people and it, it's interesting how people will react to something that they do not personally own uh, so the whole philosophy behind creative direction is something that I'm absolutely fascinated with and I it, it, it becomes a bit of a game for me but you know also kind of sets me sets me aside of being as being something someone a little different from everybody else
1: what difference has fashion made in your life
0: Man. um it's always been it's always provided me with a, how do I put it? I guess a sense of purpose or a, a clique or a group of, um, of categories on, because I've, I've always been into so many things. I've always been into how I dress ever since I was four years old. I'd always put so much thought into, how I dress. And a lot of that was, how are people going to look at me if I wore these specific things? A lot of times it wasn't necessarily for me. It was always for other people. Um, but in a way, wearing clothes generally will accomplish, I guess my own kind of like personal feelings for specific things. Like when I was playing soccer, if I wore I used to dress up the night before in a uniform because it made me feel like I was a part of that team. And when you wear a jersey of your local team to a soccer game, you feel like you're actually a part of the team because you're wearing, you're wearing their colors, you're wearing their jersey, you're wearing the names on, on your back. You feel like you're actually a part of that team. Even though like you being in the stadium has zero effect on how the team plays. You still feel like you're a part of something. And in a way, fashion's always been bad for me. Um, Being able to dress in a functional way for specific things. Um, I didn't wear a suit the other day when I had to paint the wall, you know? So, uh... (laughs) Good for you. Yeah, so functionality and... I never really was able to break it down until I had this discussion with my friend Pedro. That functionality is extremely important when you get dressed because uh, otherwise you stand out as a clown in doing something that no one else is doing. You're always going to be singled out, and for me that's always awkward. I, I don't like I don't like to being the center of attention. I like sitting in in corners, quiet. Um, but clothing still is you're still getting, in my perspective, you're always getting dressed for something specific that's going to be going on. Um, Spain's playing today. I'm wearing a Spain jersey, you know? So it's... That's all. That's
1: all.
0: You know, that's what fashion is for me. It's... uh, I think, in a way, fashion is absorbing the world around you, which is probably the more simplified
1: philosophical response. Oh, good. What's the top fashion tip you could give the everyday man so he could look his best?
0: Uh, impress only yourself, not anyone else. Probably the best tip, uh, because you don't want to lose sight of your, your individuality, because your style is your style. Um, when I got into menswear, I was really into menswear. I would want to wear menswear everywhere. Uh, I'd want to dress up and uh, wear a sport coat to go to the library or to walk through a mall and to wear dress shoes as uncomfortable as they were. But um, the more I kind of realized that I was stuck in this, and there was nothing wrong necessarily with me really being into menswear, classic menswear, but, Uh, I kind of felt several years later that in a way I was fooling myself. Uh, it wasn't who I was. I have a very deep background and a lot of different, uh, um, scenarios that have contributed to who I've become in my life. Um, and I don't want to lose sight of that either because I am who I am. So, uh, it's okay to wear a death metal t-shirt sometimes. Uh, I'm not trying to impress anybody. It's just, you know, this is who I am. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I used to want to get tattoos in places that would never be seen because I didn't want people to, you know, treat me differently, but I realized this is who I am. This is, I can't, I can't be happy if I'm trying to impress people all the time, you know, so, uh, it's okay to have different styles. It's okay to play around with style. It's okay to be creative. It's okay to be, uh, something that other people are not. In fact, I completely want people to look for things that other people are not doing because I find that it just evolves, it evolves people's style in general and, I think it it, rather than dressing to impress people, you dress to impress yourself. And through impressing yourself, you attract other people for that same reason. And that's
1: where I would rather see. That's how I'd rather see people dress. I totally agree. Here's the last question I ask all of my guests, Timothy. Let's go. What does the term always be fly mean to you?
0: I mean, probably exactly, because I just, as I just said, the whole uh, impress yourself, don't impress other people. Always be flat, like always, always own what it is that you're wearing, even if people disapprove or people want to scoff at you when you walk into their store. You know, I get that a lot, but it's a it's a mark of success in a way. It's just when people make fun of you, it's doesn't necessarily mean that you need to look into yourself self-consciously, try to figure out what it was that you did wrong. It's just, you did something different than nobody else did, so you have to own it.
1: Timothy Hanchet representing Toronto, The Six. Induade T.O. Induade FC. I see you got a Garmin in the back. Maybe one day we'll collab. You know I can't afford you. Peace out.
0: This is is a bespoke piece, not made to measure. But yeah, maybe we can have a bespoke-centered discussion sometime in the future too. Because
1: I'm bouncing all over the place. So (laughs) it'd be my pleasure, bro. I'm glad that we finally, finally made this happen. Only took a year to two years, years.
0: a year and a half. Something like that. Yeah, it's it's been some time. I'm trying to remember when you first messaged me and where I was. But it's definitely been around two years for sure. But I'm glad we were able to,
1: uh, to make it work. So I'll, uh,
0: I, I, I appreciate your patience.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I thought you were worth it. always get my man. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it. Peace. See ya. It's abundantly clear that Timothy Hanchet of Induere T.O. takes his craft seriously. He continues to learn and grow. He has high standards. He wants his clients to have the best experience possible. Lastly, he's communicative. Those seem to be the elements you want in a made-to-measure specialist. Perhaps it's time you try one. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun and are down for another one. Please tell a friend who could use some fashion help about the podcast or share an episode with them directly. If you enjoy the show, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, if you constantly struggle putting an outfit together and are looking to turn that confusion into confidence, I'd love to talk about how we can improve your look. Check me out at nyfashiongeek.com and email me at reg at nyfashiongeek.com for a consultation. A special shout goes to our producer search and everyone down with the Fashion Geek Podcast. If you have a story suggestion, you can email me at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com or hit me up on the Insta at New York Fashion Geek. And remember, always be fly.